Podcast number five. I'm your host, Matthew Skelhorn, for the Hit or Miss podcast, and I did not forget to introduce myself this time. I'm, I'm I'm very happy about it because I know that I forget always, and today I did not forget. So yeah, congratulations to me. I'm also 24 years old. I feel old as fuck, but I know that I'm still young, and I still have a lot of years ahead of me. If nothing bad happens, I'm 24, okay? And it it just it hits me for a bit. But I know that 25, that's gonna be like a that's gonna be like an arrow right to the heart, man. Damn. Sorry, that may have hurt your ears. But this is an awesome podcast. I'll I'll go I'll cover uh or I'll recap Usman versus Burns after the episode. But without any further ado, I have an awesome guest. He is a two-time Olympian, uh, Olympic sprinter. He is owner and um, coach of his own track club called Final Push Athletics. He is also running for uh, regional politics here in Laval. And his, his name is Nicholas Macrozanaris. All of his stuff will be listed below, but um, I will pass it on right to our conversation. It was it was an awesome conversation, very intuitive, very educational on on both sports and politics, um, specifically for my region in Laval. But I mean, he he says some some moving some moving segments that uh, that may help us, may help any one of one of my viewers. So, as I said, without any further ado, I'll pass it on over to that conversation. And um, I'll be back with you guys right after. And I think I think we're live. So thank you in the beginning for coming on. This is Nicholas Macrozanaris. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, he is a former two-time Olympic sprinter, uh, also running for second time, I believe, running for district in Laval, specifically in Saint-Martin um, this time around at Action Laval and coach and owner of Final Push Athletics. How's it going, Nick? Very good. Very good. You've changed since the last time I saw you. Is it the yeah. hair? You you got more hair and I lost more hair. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. There's so much to talk about, man. Um, there's also like you have many things going on at the moment. Um, but how, how's everything going? How's everything going with COVID? Uh, COVID is not bad. Uh, in the summertime, I found myself uh, staying very busy doing house uh, work. I uh, recently, about a year and a half ago, bought a house. So I did a lot of yard work. I did a lot of minor repairs, and, you know, renovations, things, improvements. And that kept me uh, busy throughout the summer. And uh, and then in the fall and the winter, leading into the winter, you try to find new skill sets. You need some... Uh, some uh, you know, uh, trying to stay informed with the latest journals of nutrition and, and, and stuff like that. So you stay active, and um, I think it's the, the healthiest thing to do for mental health, right? To, to, to keep uh, learning a new skill uh, or reading up on, on the topics that you find interesting, you know? Yeah, especially at this time around in terms of mental health, it's it's tough for a lot of people here in Quebec and across the world, really. But uh, speaking of mental health, I know that we'll, we'll we'll dive right into a bit of your political career. I, I saw that that's one of the main reasons why you want to join Action Laval and put mental health more like less in a, in a taboo state and, and trying to expose that it's, it's reality and it's real and um, it must be dealt with, right? Uh, for sure. You mean uh, the health aspect, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I got involved in the municipal uh, politics for 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 various reasons, and uh, I think um, uh, sports and education uh, should go hand in hand. I mean, uh, you know this firsthand. That's how I met you through. I was your your track coach through your school program, right? And. Um, yeah, I, I feel that uh, there's not enough of that, right? And interestingly enough, 
we started a track program to help athletes reach great heights and get scholarships in the States. But we also start realizing that there's a lot of kids that are doing track and field in, in our club because uh, they they perform better in school. So I guess it helps them uh, mentally too, right? Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. And and But I find it awesome that, that someone like you who, who has had many experiences um, in in professional sports, being able to continue to bring your your knowledge and experience to a political level, to more of a community level, I would say. Um, so it's very it's very admiring, honestly, to to see that to see that happening. Thanks. You know, uh, when I retired from competitive track and field, I um, I reached out to my local uh, community here in Laval. And I wanted to do, you know, get involved, uh, volunteer in somehow in some capacity. And um, I ended up uh, getting invited. Uh, I was doing some work at Sans Sablon. It's a community center here in Laval and I was doing good stuff. And then they asked me if I'd be interested to be part of a board of directors in that center. So um, I, uh, I accepted that was seven years ago. I'm still a board member over there, and you know you contribute to the uh, to the improvements of sports and uh, gym pro- programs over there. And um, uh, from there, I got involved in different organizations, and uh, I feel like uh, I, I feel that there's a lot of enormous amount of room to improve. Uh, you know, sports infrastructure in Laval. I think there's a lot of room to improve. Uh, the quality of programs and uh, I think a guy like myself who understands the reality of being an athlete can shed some light and and to actually make good decisions that are going to be uh, proactive right practical as I said so I'm excited about that before that I have to run a very strong campaign and and try to get elected so we'll see how that goes Mm-hmm. Well, I hope I hope this helps a bit, and you definitely got my vote. I don't. Wh- when are the votes, by the way? When? How, how does the voting work um, in communities like this? So the municipal elections are, are around the same time where all the other municipal elections are. So when Montreal uh, is going through their uh, elections, same time as the Laval, okay, and that's in November, first week of November. And uh, how it works is it's it's a little bit different. Uh, you as a voter, you have a district, right? So you could vote for your your city councilor that's going to represent your interests from your district. So when you go to the ballot, you have a choice to choose which candidate that you prefer uh, as a as a councilor, and then you have a separate vote of who you want as a mayor. So you 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 could vote. Uh, different parties providing if you you like uh, ideally you want to vote for the same party and the same candidate because then we can get our vision moving forward a lot faster right mm-hmm. so uh for uh generally how it's, it works is november november the first week of november that uh, people go to the, the polls and uh, we find out who has the, the, the who's the new mayor uh, mm-hmm. in, in all different cities across quebec Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and it's for Action Laval, right? Action Laval. And it's so what a, do they represent? Oh, you know what? I uh, I did interviews with there was a few people that were uh, a few parties that were interested. I just tried to understand uh, what are the, uh, the the their visions and I just was more aligned with Action Laval. I think Sometimes we try to overthink uh, and we forget the fundamentals and we're offering basic, uh, important uh, day-to-day services and making sure that that's uh, executed correctly. And uh, I feel like that was, uh, that was the, the concern of a lot of uh, the people that I saw throughout the, my last campaign. And they were more aligned with that, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the security, making sure kids can go to school with peace of mind and making sure the, the roads are in good condition, making sure the little things that at the end of the day we neglect. And I'm sure everybody would agree with me on that, right? And, 
I think there's so much more that uh, I get ideas I can bring into the table. And what's unique about Axiomaval is that you can bring your own ideas and uh, uh, they're, they're willing to listen and, and, uh, and pass through if it makes sense, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's cool, and and they represent something well. And honestly, it's just so it's fun to see that that you are you're doing this. Um, you're putting all your time and effort towards something to help everyone else in the community. And I think, regardless of what party you represent, no matter what, you're an asset to to whichever one um, you chose. And this, and in this case, it's Action Laval. Um, thank you, thank you. You no know. Problem. I'll tell you something. It's it's very simple. I, like I would say, twenty five years ago, somebody from city made a decision to invest uh, on a track in Laval, the track that you and I were in front of your high school. Mm-hmm. And and the reality is that had that person or those people didn't vote in to approve a budget to create a track like that in Laval. The reality is that maybe I wouldn't exist today as an athlete. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's that's the reality of of things. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people that are directly directly involved in my success as an athlete and so many more indirectly involved in the success of thousands of athletes. So if we go back even further, back in 76, when we hosted the Olympics in Montreal, you know, yes, there was an economy benefit to having people coming into the city, discovering Montreal, eating in restaurants, keeping the hotels busy, having pouring money into the economy of Montreal, and hosting an amazing event, being in that international stage. I fully buy into that. You know, it was a great initiative. And I think back then, um, it, it was a, very, a huge success, despite all this... Uh, you know, uh, wasteful management that cost us millions of dollars uh, across the board with the Olympic Stadium and so many other things. But my point here is that when the Olympics were over, uh, we inherit, the city inherit of Montreal, uh, world-class sporting uh, installations. And through that decision uh, from back then, gave birth to athletes like Bruni Surin and Alexandre Patsy and Jean Pascal and Emily Mondor, and, and the list goes on and on because we have the infrastructure to actually compete in a world-class environment. And, and all these people uh, brought, brought great um, uh, inspiration to the public, right? Jean Pascal, filled, he was training at Saint-Claude-Robillard, who was a... Uh, installation made for the Olympics, he filled the Bell Center and, and drived uh, millions of dollars into the economy of Montreal. So there's a lasting um, echo effect of decisions made 45 years ago that today you and I get to benefit. So it's, 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 a, it's beyond just doing the right decision of helping athletes, you know, succeed and reach the Olympics. It's 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 a broader picture. So I like that, and I feel like I understand it. And these are the reasons that I want to get involved in, uh, in municipal elections because I think there's a direct impact uh, to our population. That was well said, huh? That was pretty good, then. Eh? That, that was very well said. That was, good, eh? <laughs> that was very well put. That was that was off the bat too. Huh? Uh, you're, not re- you're not reading anything. <laughs> <laughs> you don't got a teleprompter behind you. <laughs> I should have. Uh, uh, I should be the promoter of the next Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> but but what you said is, is very true. And speaking of Olympics, I think I think a lot of of why you're able to do these things is because you've also experienced it, and you have a you have a, spe- a special like mindset, and that, and that's why I'll get more into your career with track and field slash the Olympics and. I saw a video that you posted recently on on you kind of self-criticizing yourself on how you took your first um, experience at the Olympics where you told yourself that the goal was to get there, but you deep down, you were, you, I guess you were overwhelmed in the moment. 
and you you wanted to do even more so than just achieve to get to the Olympics, but to win the competition. Um, so talk me talk me a bit through like when you were I think you were 19 years of age, right at that time. Yeah, I was extremely young. I, I qualified for the Sydney Olympics at 19 years old. And uh, the video, what I do is I put my ego aside and I, I talk uh, candidly about what what went wrong during that period of my life, right? And uh, what could have gone better? And what happened was when I made the Olympics, uh, I started hearing from a whole bunch of people that you're young, just go out there and get uh, get uh, experience. Go, don't worry about it. Just have fun, right? And enjoy yourself. But you know, you're setting you're setting the bar so low that you're just happy to participate. So you like to be a tourist at the Olympics. And I think had I had a coach or had an environment that that kind of like set the record straight and said, I don't care how old you are and stop complaining. You're, you're going to the Olympics. You're representing Canada. You better make sure you compete and grab the bull by the horn and kick some ass, okay? Because I don't care how old you are. And having that mindset and approaching the Olympics with a little bit more gusto a little bit more uh, of, 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 as a fighter, you're 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 typically going to compete better, as opposed to saying I'm. It's okay, whatever happens here, it doesn't matter because I'm just supposed to be here for uh, experience. So the two mindsets are completely uh, completely apart from like one end of the spectrum to the other. Mm. So I what I, my lesson here is that, or my lesson that I'm trying to push forward through my video to other athletes is that who cares how old you are and if you have experience or don't have experience, if you're in the moment and others work so hard to try to get there and they didn't succeed, but you have that opportunity, you better shut your mouth and start competing. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I get what you mean. Would you say it has something to do with, with the confidence in yourself and preparation and both in competition? Well, you're a byproduct of the environment around you, especially at a young age where it's so easy to absorb uh, influences. At 19 years old, if everybody tells you it's okay to go over there and be a tourist, what do you think is going to happen to you, right? Yeah. But if I took, if, if I were in in an environment where, you know, I, like if I had a, a coach like myself. I wouldn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't be saying uh, to my athlete, "Here's some milk and cookies and have fun." I would mm -hmm. tell them, "And you make sure you start competing." It's 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 just your byproduct of your environment. So I think uh, I had a lot of people saying that already congratulating me as if I won the Olympics. So now you're going over there saying, you know, I I went. I went back to try to analyze my interview after my race in that uh, 100 meters to understand where my headspace was at. And you could hear that I said, well, first of all, I'm happy to be here. My goal is to be here, right? And I just said, what do you mean your goal is to be here? Your goal is trying to make the finals and see what happens if you do make the finals, right? Yeah. Anyways. But but that that kind of explains why you reach that level though the how you're taking that experience i mean i think i think a lot of people who are athletes that either never reached that peak always tell me or mostly maybe tell themselves like oh i wish i get to reach there but for you reaching the stature of the olympics maybe at the moment at 19 it's understandable that that you're influenced by like just be happy that you're there and and whatnot like we were talking about but the fact that you are thinking beyond that kind of explains why you have been so successful in the sport. I mean, you've had a lot of more defining um, career moments, like years after that first Olympic um, Olympic run. I mean, I, I believe you're the most notable one. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was in Mexico City, right? When when you kind of got, I think ten point zero three was was the time record, like. How were these moments? How was that moment specifically um, when you when you reached that 
uh, record? Well, it, it was a special. Uh, it was a special day uh, for me there because um, typically uh, athletes uh, don't get invited to these huge competitions, right? And if you do get invited, uh, you, should, you have somebody uh, as an agent who's very influential. And that is betting on you because he, he wants to make sure that you get a good opportunity to do well, right? And that was exactly what happened to me. Uh, I get a call and I said, my agent, which I just met the guy. By the way, shout out to Frederico Rosa, one of the best human beings I met in my track and field career. You know what I mean? What an amazing guy. Uh, it's rare that an athlete says that about his agent after his career, but if, if, if there's anything I can say is in my in my career, this man is a special man, very very good person. He he has helped me uh, in so many ways. So he he gave me an opportunity to run over there, and I was relatively unknown. And uh, I got into that competition. It was uh, the world record holder at the time was in that race. The World Cup champion was in that race. European champion was in that race. Name it. Anybody who's anybody was in that race. And uh, there were 65,000 people in the Olympic Stadium in Mexico City. And, you know, you go over there and the next thing you know, you you uh, you finish first in that race. And uh, from that point on, uh, uh, my life has changed uh, completely forever, right? I signed Reebok. I signed a whole bunch of different companies and sponsors. And, uh, my my whole my whole thing went through the roof. So uh, uh, it was a good it was a good opportunity. I was ranked number one in the world for almost five consecutive weeks. So it was great. Uh, you're on top of the world for that little brief moment. But for that little brief moment, I could turn around and say that I was the best in the world. Right? I beat the best in the world. You know, you beat the best in the world. So you know, that's insane. That's insane. I, you, you gotta, you gotta like uh, own the moment, right? And it's not about being cocky. It's because you put in the work and you got your objective done. And you know, maybe I never won the Olympics or the World Championships, but for one moment, I was the best in the world. <laughs> the, the fact that you can say that, especially at such like, um, I mean, this is a hundred meter sprint. This is, I, I feel like, in terms of Summer Olympics. That is that is the contest. It's one of the main contests that, that attracts the most even casual or immediate audiences. And the fact that you can say that you were the best in the world at one point in time is just, I mean, I get goosebumps and I I, I ran track two years. I'm getting goosebumps, you know, Man. hearing that, which is which is awesome. Um, And also, I wanted to expand a bit more on that. How is it like also to uh, represent Canada wearing wearing the flag, both whether in the Olympics or in other championships, like in Mexico City? How is that feeling? Oh, it's it's uh, it's a special feeling. Uh, you know, you when you're in that point in your life where you're in the fast lane and you're training and your social life is on pause. And you don't have much time to invest, to analyze and understand things outside that little bubble that you're in, trying to be very, very good at one particular thing. You, you're blindsided. It's almost like a horse. You're looking straight and there's, there's, there's not a lot of things going on, right? You're, you're really so focused on a very, very uh, uh, specific task at hand. Only after you retire you start to uh, appreciate and understand how amazing the moment was and how, how what a big honor it was to represent Canada in these incredible competitions. And, you know, the, all these, these uh, emotions uh, kind of say, I should have, could have, I would have, do all these things differently. But I don't blame any athlete when that, state of mind because uh, you're so focused, right? And only a mature man uh, 10, 20 years later can look back and say, you know what I mean? You really, you didn't really understand the, the magnitude of things, right? Mm -hmm. So which it's hard, to, you know what I mean? You really have to have a, you have to have a, a very, 
you know, broad mindset to be able to do both. Focus at something like laser focus, but also understand how how much of an honor it is to represent Canada at the Olympics and see the flag raise when you win a competition and, and, and you know, all these other uh, emotional events that happen that you don't really appreciate it only 20, 20 years later when you're more mature and you kind of think about it even uh, differently, right? Yeah. Uh, the story. This story is very unique because I don't share it with a lot of people, and I, I, I'm going to say this. All right. In 2004, I was getting ready to represent Canada at the Olympics in Athens, and at that point in my life, I was living a, a different lifestyle. I mean, a, a different world. Right. I had Prince Monaco coming up to me and talk to me. He knew me. Right. So you don't realize if you're, you're competing and you're trying to be the best and you're trying to win a medal at the Olympics and you're just, and everybody's there and everybody's giving you things and everybody, and everything's there, right? Everybody wants to talk to you. Everybody invites you to things and stuff like that. And uh, I remember one day uh, I, I get a letter uh, from the Greek community in Calgary. They found my address and they sent me a letter and I looked at it, I opened it up and there was a letter that says, uh, dear Nick, my desires, you make us proud. Uh, congratulations on making the team and you're going to represent Canada at the, uh, at the, the Olympics. Um, we here at the Geek Community uh, did a little fundraiser uh, and we decided to give you $1,500 for you to have some spending money to discover Greece and enjoy your experience over there. I looked at it and I said, oh, cool. I, I took the money and bought it and, and it was just part of my lifestyle. People were giving me things, right? Yeah. And, uh, and you didn't put too much thought into it because Reebok is giving you things and, and Oakley is giving you things and, and everybody wants to give you things and you just take the money and you don't really care, right? You just go and you have a good time and but today, you look back, and I can honestly say I'm very, very, very disappointed of how I handle these things. Because um, I would love if there's, I would love to be able to to uh, reach out to these people and just show them my gratitude and uh, show them how much I, I appreciate it. Because I was just, you know, a, a young kid that, that didn't appreciate or didn't understand these little gestures that you only do understand it when you get older and you mm -hmm. appreciate things better. Right. So uh, I wish I was able to kind of like thank them. I, you know, I didn't even send them a picture. I didn't even send them a thank you. I just, uh, what a failure. You know what I mean? For me, it's a failure. I'm very disappointed in myself, but it's, it's, um, you know what I mean? It, it keeps coming in my mind, uh, even after so many years, almost 20 years later, you know what I mean? It still comes in and, and bothers me. So one point in time in my life, I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to make that right. My wrong right, right? My wrong right. And uh, But to go back to what we're saying is that you're so focused at 23, at one specific thing, to be the best at something in the world that you don't have time to invest energy on the things and say, thank you very much. Or let me send you a postcard or anything like that. You're completely oblivious to that, right? So there are a lot of things that uh, like that, that kind of like haunt me a little bit uh, some, from time to time. Yeah. I mean, but, but at the same time, like you said, I mean, you're young, you're so focused at, at what you're doing at that point in time that it, it's hard to, to appreciate these things. I, I can imagine. I mean, I was never, nowhere near in your shoes in terms of athletics but i can't imagine with how much attention that comes towards you to be able to appreciate these small things like that um but the fact that you're saying this now shows that all around in the end you do appreciate these things you were just not in that mindset at the time and the mindset at the time you're probably like i need to be the best and that was probably it no yeah well that's why i feel like today as a coach i uh I'm a little bit more refined. 
like sometimes I'm at, I'm, I'm at the front of the track where the entrance is and um, there's a person that works there to make sure that whoever walks into the track is an, an actual athlete. And I see athletes just pouring in and I sometimes uh, had to I had to take all these athletes and talk to them and say, guys, next time you go through that door, acknowledge the person that works there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say hi to them. Don't treat them like uh, they're, they're nobodies. Because that's how I looked like when I was an athlete. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, I, at least we could fix that problem now because I see these little, de- you know, the, the, the details is in the devil, right? Yeah. You, you could kind of say, hey, talk to these guys, right? Because once again, indirectly, these people are sometimes workers that make it possible for you to be able to train safely and uh, they're indirectly involved to your success as an athlete, right? But you only know that when you're 40 years old and you see it 20 years later. Yeah. Well, well I mean, I, I guess that's what, what brings me next to um, to how you, when, when you ended your actual running career, you, you shifted to coaching. And you're like, I remember when you were my coach for a few years, it, you, you were nowhere near how you're talking to me about how you were when you were in competition. I mean, you're always very, I don't have the English word, but like every time I would go on the track, um, even at final push. So you've definitely changed in that manner because I only know you that way. But uh, how's, how's final push going? How's coaching your, your current athletes? I know, I know uh, COVID is kind of, putting a halt at these things, but let's say pre-COVID, what kind of approaches have you brought with your experience matched to your knowledge right now? Well, I'm very proud with the, 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 the results that we were able to do in such a short period of time. Uh, we technically right now have three, three national champions from the U16, U18 categories. Wow. So a club that's five, six years old was able to develop three national champions. Um, I'm telling you that is, uh, is something that I'm extremely proud of. Because don't forget, you were one of my first athletes, right? When I started track and field, my track club, I literally had the picture brought me memories that I, we spoke earlier. I had a picture. I had four athletes, and that was my club, four athletes. Um Today we're a lot bigger, uh, and but also we have a lot of athletes that are performing uh, extremely well uh, nationally. And uh, the fun kind of got, you know, when you start a club, you start off with young kids. And now that the fun is starting to happen where they're good enough to start making national teams as a junior, uh, we're going that direction. We want titles. Things are going good. National champ, national champ. This is it. The best, the fastest girl in the country, 16 years old. I have her. Now is the time to progress. COVID hits. And it's been like that for the past, uh, I don't know, 14 months. So um, the fruit of my labor as a coach uh, kind of got spoiled because it would have been nice to be as a coach to, to travel with my athlete. Uh, internationally and represent Canada in the World Juniors, for example. Mm-hmm. But obviously, we kind of lost that opportunity, and the window is very narrow because uh, as soon as the kids reach uh, uh, higher, uh, older, and they're no longer the juniors or they're kind of like in the crossroads of going into seniors, they get uh, scholarships in the states and they leave. So, uh, like for example, I took one of my athletes, uh, Joe. He was only 12 years old when he started. 13, we reached the highest level provincial champion, the national champion, and records, you name it. And now we were going to represent Canada, hopefully at the international stage. We lost that opportunity, but next year he's going to the States for college, for a scholarship. So, you know, as a coach, I kind of like lost that opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. But it's okay. We, we you know, it's, it's not only that. I think uh, I work with a lot of athletes, not only for uh, athletic excellence. Some kids, they use track and field and uh, they perform better in school academically. And uh, if I could be part of that, then fantastic. I don't know if you remember this kid, Costa, who used to train with us. Yeah. Well, this kid is, uh, is applying for med school. So, you know what I mean? And I'm pushing him that direction. And, you know, I, 
I think I contribute to society in, in, in unique ways, right? Mm-hmm. No, that that that's that's very important to to push push your athletes to to where where they want to be uh, like the most that you can. Um, do do you remember uh, when when I was your athlete? I just want to talk about this. I want to see if you remember first. Uh, we were I was at the we were at the regionals uh, in Laval. I don't know if you remember that specific year, but I remember I ran the. And by the way. First of all, shout out to to your athletes that are national champs. Obviously, I was never gonna reach that stature, but I'm still very glad that you were my coach for for a bit of that time. But going back to the story, uh, I was running a regional 1500 meter race, and then I remember, like the last lap, um, there was the bell that rings, you know, s- signifying that it's the last lap. And then I remember doing like a I heard the bell, so I, I sprinted for like maybe 30 meters. And then after that, it killed me for the for the rest of the circle. And then when I got when, <laughs> when I got back, when I was done the race, you, you come see me. And then you just look at me laughing. And I I'll always remember this because you're laughing. You're like, man, the bell rang. You left. And I thought you were going to win the race. Then you stopped. And then, I, I mean, it was so funny the way you approached it. I don't know if you remember that moment. Uh, you know what? It rings a bell. Uh, I I don't shy away from laughing at my athletes when it's funny. Eh? <laughs> it's it's hilarious. It was so funny. It was so funny that moment, and that will always that was that will always stay in my head because I remember as I was like doing a boost, I saw your eyes, and then you were like, "Man, this kid is actually gonna like do this the whole lap." Lasted <laughs> ten seconds. I ended up finishing like in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? The sport track and field is such a brutal sport, right? It's just, it's, you know, it's just such a brutal sport that you have to have some sense of humor to go through this this sport because it's so unforgiving. You know what I mean? You're just you're just as good as your last race. You're training hard. You're you're puking. It's you're you're creating a different uh, personality, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think sometimes you have to laugh at these things. So I'm always, uh, I always try to keep some kind of humor attached to it, right? Yeah, and I love, I love that. I love, that. I love that about the time that I spent with you, um, both at George Vanier and uh, Final Push. I mean, I, I felt like that's what kind of kept me in the sport longer than I thought I would be in. It's just because of the laughs. I mean, we used to go on the on the on the field. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember Felix Werner. Uh-huh. He was with me, so it was it was a very it, it was a fun experience, and it was just very humorous, and and I loved it. Um, right, I remember in that era, uh, I was the head coach of your program, the school program, and uh, ironically, the person who hired me was my gym teacher from high school, Monsieur Demers. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and and wait, is it Monsieur Demers from from Georgiani? Yeah, he was the principal at the, at the time, right? Okay, yeah. I think he's the yeah, principal in a different school. Super nice guy, and uh, he he asked me if I would be interested to uh, coach, and I I took the uh, the offer. And uh, but you know what's interesting? Uh, it goes first circle. The, the the story goes full circle. Okay, I never actually told this story ever, but I think there's a, a unique lesson uh, within its uh, its right. The when I was in high school, I was not the best student in the school. But the Monsieur de Max was the gym teacher at the time. And he was trying to convince his principal to get a budget, to get a bus, to bring these kids to compete at the regionals with all the other schools. And the, the principal says, why are we going to invest money on these kids? They're not even serious, right? And Monsieur de Max said to the principal at the time, back in 1997, he says, doesn't matter. We have to offer an opportunity for athletes, for kids to discover new things in life. And he fought hard. And uh, the principal finally allocated some money for the budget and took us in. And we went to compete. And for the, in the, the, then the, the, the rest is history. I went to the Olympics. I met a coach. And from that point on, it just I met the right people and I, I ended up going to the Olympics. But it was that opportunity that Monsieur Demers tried so hard to convince 
the principal to get money to get the bus to bring these kids to compete with other schools. So I found that very unique. And today, uh, <laughs> I was uh, when I was coaching at your school, I'm coaching and uh, there's this girl, I can't remember her name, but she, and doesn't necessarily mean she was the most talented, but she was the most engaged. She kept coming to every practice, never complained, listened to the instructions, worked hard, very good attitude. And I kind of liked that very, very much as a, as a quality as an athlete. And then the day that we're doing the registrations for the competition, the counselor of the school comes and says that she you're not gonna goes to the girl and says to the girl, you're not gonna be going to the competition because your 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 grades are not good. So you're gonna have to stick or you can't go and participate, right? And um I said to myself, uh, there's no way this is happening. And I I thought, I thought like uh Monsieur Damas fought once upon a time for us, right? Mm-hmm. And my argument was. You cannot punish a kid that actually finds something that's in uh, interest of them. They come in t- on time. They participate. They're engaging. They have a good attitude. They they work hard. All these great qualities. And now you're going to tell them you're not going to the to the final thing that you worked on all all you know all along because you're not doing good in class. I found that so unfair. But the good news is I uh, I said, if she's not going, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to do this. And uh, she ended up finally coming. She doesn't know that I worked so hard to get her in. <laughs> right. I, I, I almost lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the principle, the, the, the moral of the story is that it's a full circle because uh, when the principal told me he did that for me and I had to go tell him, no, you did that for me. Now I'm doing that for my own athletes too, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it worked out good. She went and she, she competed. Until this day, probably she doesn't know that I put my uh, my coaching job on the line, but uh, it worked out. It was worth it, I guess, eh? Well, you know, uh, it, I just find that when you have a kid that's doing extremely well and is engaged and is interested in something, um, it's golden. And you have to feed the beast, mm-hmm. right? And you have to make sure that they, they, they continue uh, progressing uh, and having those social skills and understanding and listening and working and reaching short-term goals and long-term goals and all that stuff is positive. But to take that away because she's not doing good in math, give me a break. You know what I mean? Otherwise, me, I would never go to any competition because at school, I was uh, horrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, interesting story there. Oh, that's oh, that's awesome. And um, well, that's a great story. I mean, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you're you're very busy. Maybe just before ending this, I know that you have started a YouTube channel as well. Do you want to talk a bit about about what you do in in general uh, before we end this? Sure. Uh, I started a YouTube ch- channel because uh, I just uh, I found myself uh, during the, the uh, pandemic uh, just a new skill set that I wanted to learn how to edit understand a little bit photography. Um, and then I said to myself, maybe putting in some of my memoirs as an athlete, all the do's and don'ts, and uh, bring a different uh, angle at the uh, uh, things to my personal experience and share it with the world. And uh, I think some people appreciate it. You know, it's interesting. I uh, I have 120 followers. It's not bad. Or subscribers. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's starting <laughs> somewhere. It's starting somewhere. I mean, I mean, it's it's same here. I'm I'm starting this uh, for I think over a month now, and uh, yeah, I'm just we're just gonna keep on going. We're gonna bring each other up. Right, right. Uh, anyways, for for me, I I, uh, I created that, and I think I'm gonna. Uh, I have a little bit of a. It's 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 weird. I have a. I felt very uncomfortable being in front of a camera by myself talking to a camera, but I, you're getting used to that. And uh, I'm putting down uh, ideas for scripts and uh, other video ideas that I want to uh, put out. And I think it could be very uh, uh, educational for an athlete to to understand that. And hopefully, in five ten years down the line, when I put all my my experiences and all of my my thoughts. In, in segments, uh, it could be, uh, uh, you know, 
wealth of information for any athlete looking to get to the next level. And I think that's the, the idea behind that. Mm-hmm. Well, you're definitely the right person to say these things because of all the accomplishments you have uh, in track. I mean, aside from that, I thank you so much for coming on. It's Your time is appreciated. This conversation is appreciated. And um, you're obviously welcome at, at any time, whenever you'd have the time next. Um, and congratulations for you, too. I like what you're doing. Keep working at it. and um, uh, You'll do great. That, that means a lot. I mean, it, it is my birthday this day specifically so this is this is the best gift by far um to have a happy birthday man how old are you i'm old i'm old but i know i'm saying i'm old but then you're gonna tell me like now you're young i get it i feel like i'm old though i'm 24 now 24 my my mom i said this last podcast my mom got me at 24 Right now, I live in my mom's basement at 24, you know? So I see that, like, discrepancy, the difference, and it kind of messes with me a bit, but I know society is different than then. Yeah, look at it. Uh, you know what? Look at it. You can't, you, you know, everybody has a journey, right? Mm-hmm. And if you start comparing what others are doing, uh, you lose your mind. You're doing well. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nick. Do you, do you want to add anything else? We'll, we'll talk soon, and uh, let's keep in touch. I'm glad that uh, we touch uh, base again. And uh, like I said, uh, if there's anything, uh, we'll, we'll touch base again throughout the summer. Of course. Maybe uh, before my uh, my big uh, uh, the big night, the big election night, we will do uh, something. Well, all your links will be listed in the description below. Um, your YouTube channel, your Facebook page, and then how to vote. And um, I will definitely be a vote for you. And hopefully uh, the, the same out. Sonia Bodolo. You're going to have to vote for Sonia Bodolo. Yeah, I guess, because I'm in Faberville. But uh, I'll reach out to the few people that I know in St. Martin. And whoever, and whoever uh, Faberville, I think, uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head, uh, but there's another representative, a city councilor from the same party. Look into that and ideally uh, vote for uh, the mayor and for the city councilor. He, he'll be doing us a, a great service. <laughs> Perfect. We'll do. Well, once again, thank you very much for coming on, Nick. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch base soon. Cool. Take care, my man. See you, man. All right. There you have it. Um, the conversation with Nick. Thank you so much again for coming on. Uh, it, it was one of the best conversations I had, even though I only had like two or three it, <laughs> on this podcast. But it was it was very nice to have him on and, and hear him out. Once again, all of this stuff is uh, in the description below. Go check his stuff out. Um, if you're in the St. Martin area, make sure to go vote for him. I believe the elections are uh, in November, um, so late, late, later this year. And yeah, um, last time, thank you so much, Nick. I, I appreciate it, and uh, and uh, I hope to have him on at some point at some point soon. I know that I'll be helping him with his campaign later on, so that will be interesting. And yeah, so now we'll, we'll, we'll go a bit to um, Usman versus Burns, just to give my, I guess, reaction to it, um, if it's worth anything. But I, was, I, I wasn't right on the finish, but I was right on who would win. I ultimately knew that um, Usman was going was gonna to take it, though I didn't know he was going to TKO Burns. Um, but Burns started off strong and, and rocked Usman early like distinctively enough too but i think as he even said post fight he kind of went too crazy on that moment um when he knew he, he had usman hurt and just failed to capitalize and that's where you see the the grit and and determination of usman and his ability to do many different styles many different things in one fight and he recovered from that came back strong and, and dropped Usman with, a, I believe, two jabs. Um, stiff jabs, and, and Burns just ran right in it. And uh, the second knockdown, I believe, is, is when it finished, when when he finished him, TKO'd Burns. And Usman is, is aligning himself to, to become one of the best. He's, I mean, I know there's this, there's this stat going on, though, uh, comparing him to GSP, because he, he surpassed him in win streaks however it's not they they weren't title defenses they and and whatnot so that stat is kind of bizarre that it's being put out there especially by Dana White I don't I don't really get 
I get the hype. Even he has the most winning streaks in welterweight history. But I don't know. I don't feel like he's GOAT status right, right yet, but he's like right there. Uh, and I, I believe calling out Jorge Masvidal money-wise was the best thing to do. I don't see anybody else at 170 at the moment unless unless I'm I'm like blind. But Jorge Masvidal would, would be the next fight. I guess that would make sense just because their first fight was, was set so soon where Usman had a full camp. And I'm not saying full camp like to prepare to fight someone specifically, but just to prepare to fight in general. I know that uh, training camps are, are almost crucial to, to victory and Jorge only had six days. So it, it would be interesting to see both of them at a full camp knowing that they're going to fight each other months in advance. That must... It, it must be a great fight i mean it may turn out the same way but it may be a bit more competitive as the last one but who knows it was uh, uh this fight though um, on saturday was was an awesome fight and and uzman came about came through man and yeah i don't i i i didn't really like pay attention to the fights prior to it so i can't really give my say on that but uzman i don't think he's goat status yet but he's getting there he, he's getting there like fast and he, he's a monster um, and the next card will be insane uh, I hope to get someone on that, that can uh, cover the whole card with me and, and we'll, we'll give our predictions so keep in mind that I'll, I'll get someone on for UFC 259 and just to, to give you guys the card like the three triple header triple champ header however the fuck you want to call it um, there's Adesanya versus Jan, the main event, uh, champ versus champ. Adesanya is going up to 205. Then we have Nunes versus Megan Anderson. To be honest, I don't remember if it's 145 or 135 because uh, Nunes is champ of both divisions. But, I mean, Anderson is one of the best. So we may see we may see uh, a new side of Amanda um, this March. And then we have Peter Young versus uh, the Funkmaster. That must be an awesome fight, though. My early prediction for that fight specifically, I think Ian will, will take it. I think he's just really good. I have that feeling. But anyways, I'm going to dive more into it as early as we get to the event. And yeah, I mean, that's it. I'm not going to take up too much more of the time. I know the conversation with Nick was was long enough and, and it was worth it. Um, so that's about it for this week and yeah thank you so much for listening i really appreciate it once again i love i fucking love doing this this is so fun and uh, i will definitely see you guys next monday thank you very much for listening again and uh see you guys soon Keep on fighting.